And when I started to niche my business, I sat there looking at my client list and thinking, how do I pick? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for the show and a CPA myself. Well, for today, we have Linda Artizani of Artizani Bookkeeping on the program. Linda came referred to us by friends of the show at the Elevate Alliance, but I specifically wanted to see if she would come on the program because she made the decision to niche her business down to a very specific type of client. And I know being a business owner myself that it's a difficult decision sometimes, and particularly for accountants, I think. I figured this conversation would benefit us all, actually, because no matter what stage of your career you may be in, I think you'll find value in this conversation. And of course, we're going to discuss the development of Linda's own career and business along the way as well. So there's quite a bit of insight for you in this interview, even if the niche topic isn't particularly interesting to you at this very moment. If you do enjoy and learn something from the episode, please share it out. Please tell some friends about it or share it out on social media. If you're at a university, please share it out there. Any way you can get the word out, we would really appreciate it. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's this week's guest, Linda Artizani. Hello, Linda. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me. No problem. Well, for the audience, our guest for today, Linda Artisani, is another entrepreneurial guest. We've had several entrepreneurial guests recently, actually. And Linda has worked with some of our former guests on the show. And in fact, she was referred to us. But I primarily wanted to bring her on the program to talk about the different steps that she took in building her bookkeeping business. And in particular, her selection and implementation of a niche into her way of operating that business. That could be a very difficult decision for business owners and, and I think even more so for accounting business owners, honest, to niche down. So I thought this would be a really good discussion to get into. And of course, we're going to wander our way through Linda's you know, career journey as well. So we get all those tidbits also. Linda, before we get to the present day, and that is important, but before we do that, let's talk about your journey. What led you to consider bookkeeping and accounting as a possible career choice? in the first place. Well, I'm sure you've probably heard many of your guests say it kind of chose you. I'm going to be one of those people as well. But I always loved accounting from back in really my early years in school, in high school, when you had to pick a path and you put your college courses in line. And then you also were, and I was exposed to business courses too, and I really gravitated to it. And we're talking, take the way back machine all the way back to the grid sheet days where I had a teacher that would make you do the math, no calculator. (laughs) My friend likes to say I used an abacus, but it doesn't go back that far. So I always liked it. And I think from there, I started thinking about it because I was going to be on your show and thought about my very, very, very first job. I was an intern. And back then I worked for, believe it or not, a law firm and you didn't get paid. It was part of school. I was walking distance from the school. So I would leave school and walk down and then walk back up to get the bus home. And I worked at a law firm and basically I helped the at then secretary, which was the title then probably administrative assistant now. And she gave me all the jobs she didn't like, like filing and things like that. But I really loved being in that office atmosphere. So it kind of came from that and just, it seemed like it just kept finding me after that. Okay. 
Okay. At what point did you start to transition into, you know, what would be considered bookkeeping work in that first unpaid internship or did that just sort of set the stage and and did it come later? I think that set the stage for me liking to be working in an office. And then from there, my actual first real bookkeeping job was a job working for a very close friend of mine. Her sister-in-law was looking for some help in her office. And I was, my both my kids had gone to school at that point. I think my son was in elementary school, just started like first grade, full, full day of school. And I ended up working at this, helping this lady out. She taught me how to do the bookkeeping. And I worked there. It was at a well company. I worked there for quite a while. And then you learn as you start to go through learning on the job, basically, that I could see the company wasn't doing that doing wasn't that profitable and it ended up me having to she had to lay me off and I can remember that day when she had to let me go and I was thinking it was just the beginning of summer and I had worked all the time so I thought oh I can take the summer off and look for a job and actually like collect (laughs) I'd never done that before and but then my grandfather was always a very dear mentor to me and really my hero in life and I mean, my grandfather and me came out. It was like I applied for every job I possibly could. And from there, I ended up getting a bookkeeping job working for a real estate firm that also had construction. And that's where I ended up really launching myself from there as far as full-blown bookkeeping, where I walked in the door as the person that knew the job, where I was learning before I was the person that had that experience. And from there, I think at that point... I became the person that walked in the door where they had two bookkeepers. The other bookkeeper did the construction side. I did the real estate side. And she was a bit older than me. And they did everything the manual way. And this was around 2000. Actually, it was, no, it wasn't even 2000. It was 1999. 1997. And I came in and it was right around the time we switched programs. That's when I came in. We were using one right plus back then and the program was unbalanced and the balance sheet wasn't balanced and it would break and crash. And I had been working with the vendors and they were all using QuickBooks. So I started using QuickBooks at that point and Microsoft came out and I learned all that by reading the book that came with the disc. <laughs> <laughs> I am dating myself, aren't I? <laughs> well, and I laugh. I'm dating myself a little bit too. <laughs> Yes, it's a totally different world, right? But, but we learned by reading a book. It wasn't really YouTube then. So I, I read the book and I brought in Microsoft Word. I brought in Excel because we were using, you probably, if you're old enough, remember Lotus 123, that if you didn't hit save and you shut it down, it completely went away. Any spreadsheet you created was gone. So I was the one that implemented that. And I just always liked, liked technology. It was always a fun thing. So yeah, it was, that was a great job. It was a great job, a good learning job for me. And, but that was really my, if I think of true bookkeeping job, that's probably it. Okay. Okay. I was curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm having flashbacks to you would buy accounting software and you get almost a phone set of manuals. Yeah. It was, yeah. I, just, <laughs> I remember Peachtree that uh, you got yes. almost like a seven encyclopedias with it. It was, yes. it was crazy. All the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I ever read them, but yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. So at what point, I guess, did you end up you know, deciding to start your own business? Because I saw a couple entities when I was looking online, and I wasn't sure how they all meshed together. And you're mm-hmm. talking about late 90s, which I wasn't too long after that, I think, that you got started in your own business. So what was that decision-making process like, and how did all that get started? Actually, I left that job, and I went to work at a, another job briefly, another learning experience job. I worked at another 
firm that was a law firm, two attorneys, two young attorneys. One was a CPA and an attorney, and the other one was an attorney that did all different. He was always in court. But the CPA attorney, I learned a lot of experience there. But I didn't stay there very long, and I ended up getting another job making more money. It was always moving up the ladder in the chain to get more money. And I got offered a job working at a, because I had experience with a real estate company, I had become a CAM, a certified apartment manager. So I ended up getting a job working at a 300 unit office park in Providence, Rhode Island. And at that place, I did some of the bookkeeping, but very minimal. And it was more just running this office park. And I was more delving into budgets and working with the owner who was living in Florida at the time. And he would fly in every month. And I ran the place. He wasn't there. But when he flew in every month, he would fly in and kind of strip me of my power. The area would complain. She raised the rent. She did this, she did that. And I was trying to stick to the budget here to what he, I'm trying to make him money. And he would fly in. And as he kept doing that to me, I kind of lost a lot of power in the job. And it was a really frustrating job where I actually asked him one day, can you get me a punching bag and let me have that in the very corner of my room where nobody can see me, but I can get my anger out. But it's again, probably that cliche that you hear a lot, but it's the bad job or the bad working relationship where the job wasn't bad. And I ended up getting a lot of people who would say to me on the side, could you do some bookkeeping? Because it was an incubator type space where a lot of these startup businesses were, and I would help them with their bookkeeping. So I'd start doing some of that on the side on the weekends. And that just kind of compiled itself into a job where I got more and more work. And then the real estate company I worked for hired me to do the books back again. So I did that. And I just started to grow it on the side while working at this full-time job of running this office park. And it became to the point where it just was, I had so much work coming in that I couldn't, you know, I was working Saturday, Sunday until two or three in the morning to do the bookkeeping. And I couldn't do both. I was wearing myself down. And it's just a scary thing to stop the regular paycheck with the benefits and then go fully on because back then you didn't get paid up front. You would bill after you did the work. You would go to the office and do the work. And then, you know, I was doing a lot of that or doing some of it at home and then bringing the disk to the person's office and uploading the, the desktop file back then. And it's funny how how much technology has changed in my just short career of working, going from the books to doing the day-to-day, going in and uploading a file to now, right? Yes, yes. What finally gave you the comfort level to go ahead and go full-time in your business and quit the other? It was working with that gentleman in that office park and between the not being able to run it the way I wanted to And then I found out that the man before me that had the job from working closer with the bookkeeper, the bookkeeper actually had gone on vacation for a month. She took a trip and I ended up having to do the bookkeeping at this job for the owner. And I found that the man who had the job before me was making probably about $20,000 more a year than I was offered. And I was just like, wow, it's incredible. And that's on me. I took the job, offered them out, and I took the job. So I'm not saying that the owner did anything wrong, but knowing that and knowing I had more of an opportunity to make more money working for myself, that I just felt that, and it was a little bit of a contentious relationship with the owner. I just needed to get my wings and fly. And it was scary. I was always afraid I wouldn't be able to pay my rent at that point. I was newly divorced, so I was on my own. But taking the chance to do it was scary. 
I always knew, like I had my grandfather behind me, that he would be there for me at that time. I was with my husband now, and he wasn't my husband at the time, but he always said, I'll, I'll take care of you. And I never, that was almost like a challenge to me because I never, ever wanted anybody's help. I'm very competitive when it comes to things like that. So I was darned if I was going to ask for help from anybody. And I think that kind of a drive and wanting to just grow the business. And I was a complete generalist. I mean, if you were a contractor, I would help you. If you were law firm, I would help you. If you were real estate, I would help you. There was, it didn't matter as long as somebody wanted my help to do the books, I did it. And I had multi, many companies, probably back then, I probably had about eight or 10 that were all part-time jobs. And it was a great service because it was hard for people in part-time world to even have multi one at full-time. And it was a less expensive way for them to have the bookkeeper do the work. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Yeah, sometimes it takes a little higher emotional state to <laughs> to always that one thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the final straw kind of situation. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay, okay. And then we're talking almost twenty years now, right? Or or slightly over twenty over years 20. that you've been. Yep. Okay. Over twenty, and yeah. So it was Rhode Island bookkeeping when I lived in Rhode Island, and then I ended up getting married, moving to Florida, and when I moved to Florida. I found out that having a business named Rhode Island Bookkeeping probably wasn't going to work in Florida. And then the corporate tax in Florida was zero and the corporate tax to keep the entity in Rhode Island was $500 a year. So that was a simple business decision there to start up with a brand new firm name here. And it just being in Florida was just a whole different experience. And it wasn't starting over because the clients I had in Rhode Island at that point was just starting to be like you were using LogMeIn and you were logging into the desktop files. When, and I was going back and forth with our Florida. We bought a house here. It was kind of supposed to be our vacation home. And it ended up, I stayed here one year. I'm not going back. <laughs> and <laughs> then I worked. Yeah, it was an easy choice. Even it was in the summer. I just like, I'm not going back. I'm going to stay here. It was when the economy was starting to go bad around 2008. And Rhode Island was one of the first states into the bad economy. And I started to lose a few clients. So I'm just going to stay here. And my husband has his own business back in Rhode Island. And I said, I'm just going to stay here in Florida and see how it goes and see if I can get, because the economy wasn't as bad here, and see if I can grow it here. And back then, it still was driving the people's offices. Somewhat, my Rhode Island customers, obviously, I was here, so they had to do it remotely. And they were all fine with it. It was good. It was a good transition. And that kind of led to the leap to be completely cloud-based. Okay. Wow. Okay. So... 20 years is a long time, and yeah, I'm sure that that would be hard to cover in the, in the, in the time period we have on the show. <laughs> exactly, what, yes. <laughs> what, what were some of the high points and, and I guess some of the more difficult points, you know, when you think back over that time period, and then some of the key decisions or milestones that you've made along the way? I think uh, the low points would be, I'll start with the low points. The low points would be when people didn't pay you or they... You kind of had to beg for money. I never liked having to do that. Like you did the work and you had to keep on certain clients to get them to pay you. That was definitely a low point. And then also during the bad time, watching clients you had had for a while lose their businesses and have to close during the recession. So that was difficult, almost similar to now we were seeing some of that as well. And the high points were helping some of the startup companies. So I started with startups, basically, you know, people that were at the firm that I was, you know, when I worked for the office park, I had a lot of startups and I always enjoyed working with new businesses. It's fun you get to teach them. They might know their business, but they don't know the accounting side. So it's a lot of fun to help them grow. And when I started to niche my business, 
I sat there looking at my client list and thinking, how do I pick? And at that point, I had been in a group uh, with some other experts. I had joined a, a coaching group and the gentleman at, had mentioned we should use pick three. Don't just go with one because I remember saying, how do I know which one to pick? I love all my clients. And he said, pick three and figure out from the three, which one's the one you're most comfortable with. So I naturally pick startups because they've been with me all the time and it was always fun watching them grow, but they never had a lot of, you couldn't really charge a higher value for your work because they just didn't have the capital. And then I tried to do real estate because I was comfortable with it. I'd been doing it for so long. And by then I ended up, you know, I own some real estate. So I know the other side of being the landlord as well as being doing the bookkeeping for it. And then also working with attorneys. I really enjoyed working with attorneys. I secretly wanted to be one a long time ago. So <laughs> it was a thought process that I would be good at being an attorney. So I think those three were the three that kind of floated to the top and trying to figure out which one I wanted to work. And I thought I could do all three, of course, overachiever, right? I could do all three of my niche. That doesn't work. <laughs> so then I just tried to narrow it down to, and the real estate kind of fell away first and I kind of clung to my startups, but then it was just reality of the fact that they couldn't really pay you. And there was no way to, if you wanted to niche and the purpose of niching is to be able to specialize in one thing, niching to you know new businesses is, is a lot harder because there's so many. And then you'd have to narrow that down and then they just don't have a lot of money. So working with uh, attorneys, it just opened a whole nother door. And I really thought, I, like I mentioned to you earlier, I thought I'd be bored out of my mind working in one industry. Like how can I, that's kind of why I think I clung to the three. Like I'm going to be so bored, at least with startups, I'm learning about all these different businesses, but it's been the exact opposite effect, which has been a lot of fun. How long has it been since you made that decision to niche down to attorneys? Since 2016, when I made the decision, it was at QuickBooks Connect. And okay. it was kind of the thing I've always followed into it. I've been very closely aligned with Intuit since I started using their software and then I got certified and they've always been such a supportive partner. And from just taking their lead on whatever they say you need to do over the years, I remember value pricing and all of that. And then niching came up and I took a lot of the courses. There was my first QuickBooks Connect. And it took me a while to lay the groundwork to do it because you really have to take a stream of business coming in from all angles and turn the faucet down to nothing at some point if you're going to narrow down your field. And that definitely is what happened. And you go through periods, you have to have cash, you have to have cash flow, cash in the bank to do this if you're a generalist switching over from a many-year practice because you're going to find that you're calls are going to slow way down until you lay the groundwork to let people know that that's what you do. And that's the biggest part of the job is letting people know that this is my specialty. And then you start to get the referrals. But yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's not an easy process, but it's worth it. Did you let the non-law or non-attorney clients go? Did you let them go or did you let it happen through natural attrition? <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I call them my legacy clients. My daughter works for me. She's actually the reason why I am really cloud-based because she was the one when she started working with me. I was like, you, what is this desktop? I don't want to use it anymore. And you should do the QuickBooks online. I'm like, yeah, you do it. And then she started doing it faster than me. I'm like, uh, something to this. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so she takes care of the legacy clients, the ones that I still have. And, and it's truly natural attrition. And I had a business, I guess it's two years now, that he was with me for 
forever, like almost the whole 20 years. And he's in his 80s and he finally like sold the business. It was so sad because I felt like I was losing a family member at that point. Every once in a while he still calls me and I still send him a Christmas card. But yeah, <laughs> it's a different, it's hard. So anybody who comes to me that's not attorney work, I really don't want to do that work. I've referred some of that to other people that I know. If somebody comes e-commerce, I'm like, I don't want that. I will refer it to somebody else that is specializes in it. Then that person will get a better result too because a lot of these things are very specialized. If somebody comes to me in the restaurant business, I don't want to do that work. So, But I'm sure they feel the same way. Those people who specialize, like they don't want to work for attorneys, I'm like, oh, bring it on. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm curious, how does the size of your business compare now to before you made that decision in 2016? Mm -hmm. My business has grown quite a bit and to the point where I struggled with delegating at first. I thought I could do it all. And then I brought my daughter on and then I brought on another person. And now I actually have a team uh, that's offsite that works for me that I've partnered with another firm. And it's grown a lot. I mean, I'm trying. In fact, one of my goals, I'm in another woman's entrepreneurship group. Um, with Sarah Elliott. And I can tell you that we set our goals in January and my goal is to double my my sales this year. I'm hoping to make it. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's a goal. We'll keep, I want to shoot high for my goal and I'm hoping that it will come, but it's definitely, I'm not on track for that number, but I'm on track for increased revenues. That's an awesome thing to be looking at, especially in the world right now. There you go. Yeah, I, I was asking because I think when we're making that decision to niche, the, the tendency is to focus on what you're letting go. Mm-hmm. And that seems a lot more clear than what you're going to gain. But, you know, when you become the specialist, then people start seeking you out. And actually, the business comes a whole lot easier. And it's true. There's another point that you had in there because you still have legacy clients. And so it's not mm-hmm. that you just cut off everybody and say, well, I'm not, yeah. you know, not going to help you anymore. It's, it's that you don't focus on that. <laughs> you know, you don't true. That's true. True. And it, that's something that's a decision that business owner has to make. Some people don't want to hang on to those clients and completely focus on it. I guess it really depends on where you're at. I chose that. I just, like I said, a lot of my clients, I mean, my legacy clients have been with me for so many years and they're just, most of them, a lot of them are construction related, but I think it's good to come from a well-rounded background too. And having experienced a lot of different businesses and over the years, the ups and the downs that businesses go through that I think for me is my foundation for helping even the law firms now, because when you start to niche and the exciting part of that is when the law firms come to me and I have a business partner as well, and that respect for part of the business that's really developing now and the part that's really growing and we brainstorm and I don't know what I would do without her because the two of us work so well in tandem because we're working with mid-market law firms, the bigger law firms. But the fun part of it is you've got multiple partners owning the business and we get in there and most of them have somebody doing the bookkeeping, but it's generally an admin that they've decided they've deemed here, you're going to put the bills in the, and you're going to create the invoices, you're going to put the expenses in for the firm and they don't know the whole part of the accounting side. And when we walk in the door, we generally migrate them off a desktop product into an online product for the accounting platform and for the law firm and industry specific. And then when they see what we can do and we fix so many things, they're like, can you do this for us ongoing, which I never expected with the migrations at all would turn into that. And it's born into that. It's come into more of, oh, you can analyze this data for us. And then we show them what we can do. And we've got other apps that we layer on and they're really able to analyze their marketing dollars, where they're 
money is well spent and where they can cut the fat. And it's fun to be able to help them see a side of their business that they never even looked at half of them. They're only looking most of the times when you get multiple attorneys in a practice, they're looking at their own number and they're trying to beat, you know, the other person. (laughs) They're not really looking at the business as a whole picture. And it's fun to be able to jump in and really educate them, but also help them grow in a smart way. And that's been our goal. It's been very fun and it's fulfilling to do. I know this is probably a whole nother episode in and of itself. But I didn't realize you have a partner. I do. I guess how long have you had a partner and how did you find the partner? I found her. So Sarah and I have been partners since uh, last year, last May. So I have a couple of business partners actually, and it's kind of two segues to what I do. But this Sarah found me. She knew that I was specializing in law. And she also had many law firm clients and an opportunity came her way with one of these bigger firms and she was a little on the busy side. So she reached out to me. We were friends in that same coaching group and knew each other from QuickBooks Connect. And she reached out to me saying, hey, would you consider like working together on something like this? And I'm like, sure. And the two of us, we just work so well together because we have different strengths and weaknesses. And between the two of us, we're a very strong team. And we've been doing data migrations. And it's incredible because the data migrations are what I actually work on. And then when we get the ongoing work, then we still work in with the client, but then it gets shifted to our bookkeeping team that does the bookkeeping work. But it's been so much fun to work with a partner and grow with her this year. And that's the part of my business that's really growing is the taking these law firms off of some of these really antiquated systems where they're so paper centric. A lot of law firms are very, very old school. They're still doing like what I did in 1997. That's how their work process is. So it's a lot of fun to come in and just blow their doors off with showing them technology. And they they aren't even aware that some of these things exist. So they look at us like we're magicians sometimes. And it's fun to go in and say, look what we can do with technology. And now maybe this staff member that was doing all this paperwork can now move to something that's it's a better job for that person because they can use their brain more as far as not just doing some repetitive thing that automation can do for them. Good point. Wow. Okay. And you've had a few partners in the past as well, you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, actually no, I haven't, it's not in the past. Actually, this other partner that I have came from me working with the Intuit community, and he actually found me, and we met on a short phone call that ended up being a three-hour phone call, and that was more born out of our passion to help others. And he had some crazy ideas and things that actually I had been thinking about doing, but never had the confidence to do. And Matthew actually was the one that helped me be more out there and more. I always wanted to help people, but I kind of did it from behind the, you know, the being on the Intuit community forum. And he's like, we're going to do this and we're going to go, we're going to videotape it. And we're going to be, we're going to show people how to do these things on video and camera. And at that point I was doing my own blog. I didn't even turn my camera on. And he, he taught me how you should have your camera on. People will recognize your face. And I remember him saying to me one day, you know, you're really smart and you know so much and to hearing somebody say it, because you just don't think about that as how you are, and to be able to do that, and that led to my journey to being even more aligned with Intuit, and before I met him, they actually invited me to be on the Intuit Advisory Board, and that, I think, was my, for me, that was probably the highlight of my career. Getting asked to be on the Intuit Advisory Board is like you've got the... It just was a big honor. 
And that, I think for me, all the questions I had answered on the community forum over the years, and I hate to tell you this, but it was about 28,000 <laughs> over the many, many years of helping people. Yeah, it was a crazy number. But that led the, the, to the doors opening to Matthew finding me, to me being in that group and with the coaching group and me meeting Sarah and all these things. And I think the one takeaway from my business career is I had done so much solo for so many years and now I am just having a blast with the collaborations that I've formed. The other partnership with Matthew is we started a Facebook group to help other business owners and not just with accounting and QuickBooks, but with marketing and letting them learn about what we've done and what we know. We always say you forget what you had to learn and it's nice to be able to help people and especially and I, I still get to help my startups, see, in, in a different way. But yeah, it's a fun group. It's QB Community Live and it's on Facebook. It's just a fun group. And everybody helps each other, but we do a once a week live and help other people and things that are questions. We actually answer them live and demonstrate how to fix it with video, which is really helpful nowadays. Nobody picks up the big fat book anymore. Or anything. <laughs> yeah. And you said QB, like QuickBooks, QB, yep, like QuickBooks, QB community okay. live. Yep. Wonderful. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. I want to make sure we got to that and perfect segue. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, One more question, and then I do have three questions I end every podcast with, and so we probably better get to those. But I'm curious, you know, knowing what you know now about moving to a niche and operating that way and the different steps you went through, looking back on that, is there anything you wish you would have done differently? I think what I would have done differently is I would have done it sooner. I think if I had started to think about niching a little earlier than I did. I think I waited a little too long. And I think this happens to everybody. I mean, it happens with the law firm clients. They get stuck with, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think I got stuck there and I really never really thought about moving and driving forward. And I, I was a little on the board side. So I think that making that decision to niche, don't be afraid of it. The worst thing that could happen is you pick the wrong one and you just go to plan B. So I think that Knowing that there's a safety net, you can always switch. It's not the end of the world. And you don't have to shut off the other ones if you don't want to. I just think eventually it just evolves into that. But I think that would definitely be if I did that, I would have done that a little earlier than I did. Yeah, you know, if you're keeping your legacy clients, really Mm -hmm. the downside is that you don't grow like you'd like for a little while if you pick the wrong niche, you know, and then then you can, like you said, just pick a different niche, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. That's true. uh, And it's 100% true. You have to face that it's going to be that knowing that going in the door having that friend so I had two friends one in particular like I would call Matthew going I don't think I can do this you'd have those freak out moments where like I'm not getting any calls and then you pick up that phone and start to say that to the person and he would say to me stop it stop it you're doing the right thing you need that person in your life to tell you to stop it because it happens and that's where you need to align yourself there's so many people that's one of the things that's great about the group is when you have a Facebook group you can align yourself with somebody who knows what your pain points are and living the same thing so and they and if you align yourself with the right person it will help you in that respect definitely well I do end every podcast with the same three questions so we probably better get to those we okay. may have hit on some of this already <laughs> but you know if so that's fine if there's a different answer a better answer that's fine as well sure. the first one's usually the easiest from a sure. career perspective what's been your proudest moment 
I think, can I have two? Because I would say being on the QuickBooks Intuit Advisory Board was definitely my proudest moment because, and I don't think I realized it initially. I had applied for it and applied for it and applied for it. And when I got invited, I remember being, I remember where I was. So that tells you that it, how exciting it was. But also last year, I was my first time speaking at QuickBooks Connect. And that was always on my vision board. And not only get to speak and talk about law, but I got invited to speak to small businesses in a private event. And that was like, it was, that was so incredible to me. And it was, I've always wanted to speak, but to get that kind of an event. And then on the way back, I got to meet the, the CEO, passed me in the hallway, and I did a photo shoot, a couple of shots with Sasan, the CEO of Intuit. So that was kind of cool, too. Oh, wow. That is cool. Well, second question, tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. And <laughs> tell us the better because that's how everybody learns. Yes, I think I'm still learning this lesson because I'm still a workaholic. So I am trying to delegate a little bit more. Just even the word kind of quivers in my mouth. So being that person who wants everything perfect, it's hard to let somebody else do it and not want to just jump in and do it yourself. So I would say delegate some work to others and let a little bit of that go. And I am that's still I'm still working on that trait, <laughs> developing it. So I'm hoping that someday it'll be ingrained in me that and if it's not done right, don't go crazy. Don't beat yourself up and say, I should have just done it myself. I think that's part of it, too. <laughs> that's such a common issue with business owners. <laughs> and I love how transparent you are about it. It, it, it quivers on my tongue. Is it what you hear? <laughs> yeah, it quivers. The word Saying the word delegate. Yeah, it kind of sticks yeah. in my, <laughs> my tongue. <laughs> it's hard to say. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. Sure. What's the best piece of advice? that you have ever received? I would say my grandfather had a big part in my life with being my mentor, my hero. And he always, always, always told me that if you're going to be successful, and he was an entrepreneur too, so came here from Canada and uh, he came here very poor, divorced parent in 1930s, like crazy. And he worked really hard and he actually saved every dime and bought the business out that he was working in. So he was an entrepreneur all my whole life. I never knew him as anything else. And he always said to me, to be truly successful, it requires preparation, hard work, and you need to learn from your failures. Those are the three big things that were he kind of ingrained in me. And I think the hard work piece, sometimes I think I take too literally. And that's what leads me to be working every day. And I want to start to, that's on my vision board to have that day off. And it's on my vision board to take a couple of vacations this year. And I think it's important for your brain and your psyche to have that downtime and should be in my future. <laughs> wow. And your grandfather sounds like he was an amazing individual, you know? He certainly was. He was my wow. hero. Wow. Well, two follow-up things, and then we're saying goodbye for real. But you mentioned the coaching group several times, and it sounds like that group has been just a wonderful blessing for your business mm -hmm. and just understanding yourself and, and that kind of thing. Which group is that specifically? Well, I'm in Elevate Alliance with Sarah Elliott, and that entrepreneurship group has been the most wonderful group of amazing women, which many have been on your podcast. But the other group that I was in was 97 and up, and it's with Seth David. 
And if you don't know Seth, if you're in the accounting world, you probably do know Seth, but Seth is an amazing giving person and very kind and a sweet soul. And he's been in business a little less than I've been. Maybe maybe he's been in business longer than I've been, he, but he's been around a long time and he is a great advisor and he's very helpful. So definitely recommend his group as far as coaching. He's a great guy. Okay. Wonderful. I figured you were talking about Elevate Alliance, but I just wanted yes. to be real clear about that. And then it sounded like there was another one in there too. Yes. And yes. So, yes. Well, um, I think you, as a business owner, you, it's important to have things like that so you can be in those groups and you learn a lot. And it's always, life is all about learning, right? You just keep on learning and that's the beauty of it. So I think that it's important to be able to be around people that can help you learn and grow. I totally agree. If someone wanted to find out more about your business, maybe they have an attorney friend that needs help or something <laughs> like that, where do we find you online? You, you can find me online everywhere. Artisani Bookkeeping. So it's A-R-T-E-S-A-N-I and then bookkeeping, B-O-O-K-K-E-E-P-I-N-G.com. LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on everywhere. And the Facebook group, QB, so uh, like QuickBooks, QB Community Live. You can find me there. And if anybody needs help with anything, QuickBooks, marketing, business, we're there to help and please and and help grow the community. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I think this content is going to be good for individuals no matter where they are in their career, you know, just starting out or later on. So thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me. Well, that was our interview with Linda Artisani. And some of the takeaways I personally have were, first of all, I really appreciate just how open she was about some of the more difficult times in her career. It's good for us to hear that for our own learning experiences and to think through our own career. And, and she was definitely very open about some difficult times. And then secondly, though, you can't help but take away how happy she is now. She loves what she's doing. And you can tell, at least for her, and, and honestly, I think for most people, the decision to niche was the right decision to make. It's worked out really well. For Linda. If you found value in the episode, please leave us a rating wherever you happen to be listening to it. We would really appreciate it. And if you haven't checked out our books yet, we'd appreciate that as well. They're both on Amazon, 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career and 49 Tips for Working with a Headhunter. Thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. And as I always say, we'll see you next week. There's more to come.